birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear and Happy birthday to you. Aww, you're so sweet. What's going on? I can see myself, which is oh, quite disturbing. Good God. I mean, sexy, but, you know. I can, I can, uh, I'll flip it. Oh, God. Right? Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good overnight. You join me. Beginning of a midlife crisis. I'm Anthony Price. And I'm Jonathan Bradley. And this is a very, very special day. Because Ant today goes into his roaring 40s. <laughs> which is very exciting. <laughs> Having been there myself about 40 years ago. <laughs> uh, it is, it is, it's a good, it's a good decade ahead, Ant, I think. Because you've got more maturity, um, a, a little bit more sophistication, perhaps oh, around the right. around the edges. Fine, understood. And, yeah, yeah. But you've still got the youthful vigour, and you, you've still got some hair. Whereabouts? Because it certainly isn't on the head. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's that it's that you've got this decade ahead, which is you've got the you've got the energy and the enthusiasm and excitement and vitality, and yet you've also got. A boatload of experience behind you. Uh, you've got some good knowledge. You know what works and what doesn't. Have you written this of... down? No, this... I'm just talking Bollocks. shit like I normally do. Yeah, yeah. And it... sorry. Uh, well, yeah. I suppose it's slightly autobiographical. <laughs> autobiographical. Um, but it is, you know, there are things that you like and things that you don't like. You're a bit clear about that. And I tell you another thing. This sounds awful, but. You can dump a load of people that you never really like very much, and it doesn't really matter anymore. Okay, goodbye then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, it's scary, scary to think I've known you for three across three decades three of my decades. life. Yeah. Oh my god, that is scary. Do you know I can't I can't see you anymore? And well, is this what happens when you get? Oh, there I found you now. Yeah, there you are. Oh, lovely. Um, anyway, g g hello everybody. Uh, um, this is the Global Leadership Podcast. Each week we tend to spend the first hour and fifteen minutes talking utter nonsense, and then we we probably make a couple of interesting points, which <laughs> if you, you're lucky, yeah, which you you probably hang around for. Um, yeah, a bit, hang on. Yeah, there's a program on television at the minute called The Mask or The Masked Singer. Sorry, it's a lot of old crap on ITV in in the UK. But I think it's franchised across the world where people sit through a whole episode to, to then at the end have the reveal that the hidden singer behind a mask is a really unknown celebrity. And every week, my family seem to tune into this program, a load of old rubbish. And then at the end, they're disappointed by the, the Z lister that appears from the mask that's been singing all episode. And I, I worry that this is what our, our listeners do, JB. They sit through this bollocks and at the end, we make one simple point, which they go, mm, OK, that was average. But do you know what? I'll, I'll tune in again next week. <laughs> what is scary is that, you know, we do have family listening. And oh, uh, that, that, I, I just worry. Uh, and friends as well. So mm. d dear friends out there, uh, you've made it through because um, I'm, I'm, you know, so somewhat older than you now. And I've made lots of friends in my life. And um I'm, I'm very, very lucky to have all of those people. So if you are listening, I do love you. And 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 when I was talking about dumping dumping friends, uh, I think um, it is something that you know does happen in life because you you kind of meet people along the way, and sometimes they can be quite draining. 
and I, and then I wonder whether you know you my friend when you do that and you mm. kind of drain me to bits and you know kind of try and belittle me and that kind of stuff. I don't I don't, I don't want that around me anyway. So I, all I was saying is that in your forties, I think that just becomes more apparent. Really, that was my experience anyway. I, I I value your um, your your advice there, Mr. Bradley, and I'm sure any listeners that are going through this latter part of their thirties listening right now will will really value that advice. Um, so um, before we go too much into the topic, and we have some a couple of um, fan dabby doozy questions this week, um, which we normally do towards the end of the podcast, um, but I wanted to kick off um, with a number of shout outs um, a bit later in the podcast me and JB will probably talk a bit about um, a survey that we're hoping our listeners will get involved in if you haven't done so already um, we hit 200 by the way um, last night JB so um, 200 what? responses to the survey oh, <clears throat> so wow. we've had a really good but we would love to get it to 500 before we start making any kind of conclusions from it so if you're listening we'll, we'll talk more about the, the survey later but um, when I sent out this survey link to a number of people that I knew, I then offered the opportunity for a shout out on the podcast, expecting nobody to come back. And um, <laughs> I'm uh, sorry to tell you that we've had a number of responses back from all over the world. So I thought I'd read them out to say hello to you. And then JB and I can get a sense of, of the scale of the number of countries that listen to this podcast. Are you ready, JB? I'm ready. Do it. So, um, uh, so happy birthday to me. It says, uh, I love the show. No, they don't say that. Anyway, uh, hello to Torold in the UK. Um, oh, hi, Torold. He was particularly impressed with uh, my reference to your planking. Um, you heard, right, planking last week. Mm-hmm. Um, Luis in the USA. Uh, not oh, yeah. Luis from Miami, but another oh, Luis. Okay. Um, who uh, sent us an email. So hello to you. Michael in Canada. Again, a different Michael to the one that sent the question last week because we had Michael from UK last week. Yeah. Um, Sally from the Netherlands, regular listener. She says she doesn't always get to listen to the end, though, because her commute doesn't last the duration of the podcast. And I then said, well, you can pause it, you know. You don't have to just, you know, cancel listening to the end of it. Anyway, hello to Sally. Uh, Helena in Germany, who has a question later. Hello to Carly in France and Strasbourg. I, I, I reference this because I didn't ask her where f- she was from, but on her LinkedIn it says um, uh, France and Strasbourg in, in her location. Um, so, you know, take your pick as to which one you want to identify as. Uh, Yasik in the UK, uh, Vivian in the USA, um, I can't read my own writing there, Debbie in the UK, Ramesh in India. Um, ah. Ramesh, I think we may have met Ramesh in our mm. tour last year. That's um, ringing bells. Karen in Hong Kong. We know Karen very well. She advised you wisely on your jackets. Do you remember your your jacket that you had custom made in Hong Kong a couple of years ago? It's that, Karen. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, Gabby from Romania, um, who's someone that we worked with last year. Ehab in the USA. Um, uh, Shukri in KL. Uh, hello to Shukri. Maria in Greece, or should I say... Kalimera, uh, which I think is 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 good morning. Um, yep. Nisha in Dubai, uh, Javina in the UK, and Sophie, former of the UK and France, now living in Singapore. Think she's on the oh, run from I the love man. Yeah. And then finally, oh no, that's my notes underneath. <laughs> that's it. Look, you didn't just make that up. I mean, that's real. I promise you. Um, that's yeah, amazing. I, I wrote down all the countries, but I kind of. It was quite amazing when I looked at the different jurisdictions that we have listening. I know we have all these analytics and stuff, but thank you to all of you that listen. 
um, it does mean a lot to show that we're not just talking to ourselves. Um, a bit like some radio stations in the UK. <laughs> um, so there we go. Um, um, anyway, um, anything exciting going on in your world personally, JB? Before we get into, uh, the... I've got I've got my bike back from the Menders. All right. And, what was wrong with um, it? Uh, well, it had the the wire things that change gears and stuff. Hmm. I'm not technical, okay? So, um, but they'd all corroded because I lived by the sea. So uh, I replaced those with some really, really powerful, exciting ones that the man wouldn't stop talking about. And I ended up having to pay him and run for the hills because, <laughs> or I cycle off to the hills. Um, but yeah, no, bike's back. So we, we will be doing some cycling now, which is which is great fun. Nice. Um, I've got proposals coming out of my ears, um, which is... Um, I've, I've got quite good at PowerPoint now. I can I can do lots of tables on PowerPoint. Wow. And in fact, I'm getting quite excited about that now. Um, doing lots of different colours and shading and borders and uh, no stopping me now with my with my PowerPoint uh, proposals. Nice. Um, in fact, yeah, at some point I should stop doing the proposals and actually bring in some business. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 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 My side, um, I am so we are recording this unusually on a Thursday morning, but I'm booked off today due to my said birthday. Um, and I'm due out for lunch with my other half at lunchtime, so that'll be nice before the kiddies come home from school. And then we go off to a place called Center Parks tomorrow for a weekend with the kids, which will be nice. It's a uh, kind of one of these, um, uh, um, what were they called? leisure parks in the middle of the forest so you have a log cabin of descriptions and then you go and do stuff which would be nice so doing that this weekend um and uh then of course getting ready for the house move which i believe is two weeks tomorrow i believe wow yeah wow oh and i'm in new york next week oh you are right are we gonna do yeah, this from just new so, york just so you know Oh, that's a, a possibility, isn't it? Yeah, you can take your yeah. microphone. You've got all your stuff with you. I will take my kit um, because I could, I could, I could, I could join you. Well, I, you, I could join you live from New York. Well, ironically, uh, I'm, in Buda I'm in Budapest next week, so should we try and sync it? That hi from Ooh, Budapest, is Anthony. Person. Across here we go live across continents. Yeah, yeah. Oh, by the way, someone did messages uh, through social media. I can't remember who it was saying, "Have we ever thought of auditioning to do some ink on BBC Local?" <laughs> Thank you. I'm not sure how to take that. Um, I think it's a compliment. Good? I think it's a compliment. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Um, so we can we can practice if you want. That was uh, Willie Nelson and uh, Marley Haggard. And uh, next week we talk. Yeah, and this is. Yeah, oh no, no, that's the speed link, Freddie isn't it? Mercury. Uh, but but first, here we go over to Kettering, where Doris wants to talk to us about her new play she's doing in her back garden. Doris, tell us about it. <clears throat> you do that so well. Thanks. You really could fit into that. Well, scene. got a face for it, haven't I? Maybe that's something for my 40s. <clears throat> uh, can I can I just check? What time are you leaving for your lunch today? Oh, uh, it's uh, what is it? Quarter past nine, not until about 12 o'clock. Ah, OK. It's just that there's a special delivery arriving at your house at 12 o'clock. Oh, is, is it you naked? How is it possible? Because we're three <laughs> hours apart, so as in drive time. Um, my sister-in-law yeah, is in today, so that's fine. Ah, good. There, oh. there's, a little, there's a little thing that I've sent to you, which may feature in future broadcasts, I oh. think. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm excited because there's a possibility if it arrives whilst we're recording, I can open it on the recording. Oh, well, I got a little note this morning saying that it's it's arriving at your house at 12. Um, so it, it's, it's, a, it's a funny one. I do um, feel spoiled. Thank you, JB. 
Yeah. Well, I, well, I haven't opened it yet, so maybe I need to. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're a bit special. Oh, thank. Yeah, special needs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, t- tell us about the podcast this week, JB, because this is your okay. uh, your topic, and I know this is your yeah. your your expertise. Well, I thought it would be quite interesting, given that we've just been through Christmas and New Year. I don't know about you, but I felt like. Uh, Mr. Blobby on acid. For those of you in other countries, Mr. Blobby was a great big inflatable balloon um, that made strange noises and for some strange reason picked up huge audiences. He never really said very much. Um, but uh, Yeah, but I, I, after Christmas, I just felt like him and I wanted someone to stick a pin in me. And so I started thinking, well, you know, how am I going to recover from this uh, self-abuse of Christmas and New Year? And I started thinking about exercise and uh, doing all sorts of things on my bike, hence it being mended and so on. And I started reading some stuff about peak performance. Sudden jump, leap towards, well, how do I get myself into, into some sort of peak performance? And the subject is fascinating. It really is a very interesting subject. So I thought it would be quite useful for us to talk about uh, peak performance in the context of people's work lives and to ask ourselves some questions about when when we've ever felt that we were at our peak, peak performance. And, and I think also because it's your birthday and you're 40, uh, you know, and, and bearing in mind what we were talking about earlier, you know, when you st- you're still physically fit, your brain's still active, uh, relatively speaking, <laughs> and you know you've got all of that that ahead of you. you. Still, you've got that fitness, and you know how how are you going to kind of focus on your p- peak performance over the next uh, year, possibly even decade? Because these are precious years now, and and also for me, uh, you know, I'm further down the line. And it's terribly easy uh, just to to get into a, yeah, well, I'm okay, I'm surviving, it's all fine. And uh, losing a bit of that kind of ambition uh, to push things, to to push the boundaries a little bit uh, and try and do things um, at a a high level, uh, both in terms of skill uh, and, and learning. So I thought peak performance would be a good title for our conversation today what do you think i think it's a really good one um you and me had a very and it was a really brief i mean our planning for these podcasts probably isn't the sort of things of of production teams of endless people and lots of researchers but i know this is a big topic for you but the 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 very first thing that jumped to my mind when you suggested this is um oh to be able to have that peak performance and efficiency continuously would be something to be excited about and the the my first immediate reaction of self-reflection on this topic is i wish i had more uh, durations of peak performance in my weekly activities as in looking at it very tactically from a strategic level peak performance um with uh, efficiency can be hugely transformational for businesses so i'm quite interested to see where this conversation goes jb well me too and so uh, I guess I guess it would be useful for us to just work out. I mean, I think you've got some way to just explain in your mind what peak performance is. And uh, I think it's it's almost like a sort of uh, I don't know a sort of relentless 
rightness about it, isn't there? There's a cycle uh, to get to that peak level. And, you know, that that could be uh, physical as, as well as mental, uh, which I think involves a huge, huge amount of focus mm. and, and a cycle of focus. And then that, that focus yields extraordinary results. Um, so I might, I might be using all sorts of different metaphors here, but Rod, um, is it Roger Bannister? Huh. I was thinking Olympians as you were saying this. Yeah. Um, and the four-minute mile and, you know, track and field where it was deemed to be impossible to beat this four-minute four mile. He did. Um, and it was absolute relentless focus uh, that got him there. But there was, a, there was another factor which I think we can talk about as we as we build on this subject, mm. which was absolutely critical. And I didn't know this until I started um, getting into the subject, uh, which I'll hold for now, um, but we'll, we'll kind of reveal it as we go. I thought it'd be quite useful to think about the context of, of this conversation, given that, you know, there's an awful lot of people out there in quite big organisations that, that we work with and, and others, where there is an enormous um, amount of cutthroat competition. Mm. Cutthroat competition uh, for those organisations against other organisations. But also, you know, when you think about it in terms of jobs, um, you know, jobs in those uh, organisations, there is a shortage of good jobs for good people. Uh, across the globe these days and there is a war uh, for those jobs in fact one of my sources that I, I I've started reading um, is is the coming jobs war uh, written by a guy called Jim Clifton and in this uh, he talks about all sorts of uh, things that are going on inside organizations for people to to raise their game and what's sad about it is the amount of doping uh, that's going on in the workplace. People taking uh, all sorts of, of drugs to uh, raise their uh, attention levels, their learning levels, mm. uh, and their efficiency levels. Um, but, you know, the, the massive downside for that in the long term, that's just not that's just not going to work. Um, but you know there are there are there are so many similarities between what's happening in the in the sports world uh, with people trying to get to their peak performance mm. uh, through uh, drugs and doping. Um, but actually, what I'm learning is the amount of of drugs that are going on inside organisations for, pe for people to sustain their jobs mm. in highly competitive situations. Uh, both externally and internally. The um, all of that, as you were saying that, um, I guess in my head I go down the thinking of mindset being a big thing around peak performance here. And um, to JB's point, this dependency on a drug, and that drug, by the way, might not be doping in the most obvious of senses. Um, but I think first and foremost for me. Peak performance requires you to be um, 
having a huge level of willingness to to want to perform first of all and that comes from a state of mind but uh, where jb talks of this um this demand this competitiveness i think peak performance also comes from the right environment and the right challenges in which you can thrive in too so for me peak performance um i guess paints a picture of um absolute efficiency uh, very minimal interference in our day-to-day uh, activities that would therefore hinder the performance levels, such as, you know, as we're doing this recorded podcast, and I would like to think that we are currently running at near peak performance. You've probably heard in the background various alerts of my phone because it's a working day, of course, and I don't normally we don't normally record this in working hours. So my emails are going nuts in the background, although I am actually off today. But of course, that creates interferences, which interferes with our potential peak performance. So um, I guess for me, um, mental strength um, is a big part of of this peak performance thing that we're going to dip in and out of, I suspect. And um, I think you're right, JB. I think in the world we live in right now, um, retired folk in my family don't get... Um, the pressures we're under and there are other people that don't necessarily work in these high pressure environments that probably don't listen to this podcast that don't understand the the difference between performing and peak performing in the workplace the there is this enormous pressure and i notice it working with 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 people um at senior levels and and middle management um to take their game to the next level you know, you can almost hear those those execs saying, you know, you've got to take your game to the next level. Um, did you know uh, that over the last decade, there has been a 400% rise in, and this is in the US, there's a study in the USA, uh, in people taking antidepressants, a, a 400% rise. And that that is, that is an extraordinary figure. And, you know, piece of research again done done by the guy referred to uh earlier jim clifton um and and he he used this term uh which was people are miserable hopeless and dangerously unhappy uh in inside organizations these days i thought i'd get this kind of <laughs> this this rather grim miserable outlook uh, out into the open to start with because it's not it's not all grim no. um because we've got ai coming haven't we yay yay and that's going to be brilliant and that's going to take away yet more jobs and it'll all be fine um but i think what 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 the point of this contextual piece is about is to say look the world is changing it is um getting more uh, competitive, particularly for jobs inside organisations. The reality is that people are required to considerably up their game. Some people are turning to drugs to do it. Um, we want to encourage people to do it legitimately. And as you were talking, Anne, I wrote a, a little term down, which is, wouldn't it be great if we can actually start thinking about uh, an alternative, mm. uh, which is healthy, sustainable peak performance inside organisations. And how do we do that? 
That's what I'm. That's what I'm talking about. There's, that's what I'm thinking. There's your million euro question, or your million dollar question, depending on the way place you are in the world. Um, I think that I think all businesses, I imagine, would strive. And this, I guess, thinking of some corporate values here, this comes into sustainability. Um, a lot of people think sustainability as a corporate value is always about you know the green environment, which of course it is. It's important, but mm, arguably very. sustainability is actually about how we can sustain this level of growth this level of performance and going back to your previous point jb you know where we are in such a competitive dog eat dog world how do we give that ability to people to perform in a in a stable environment in which they can thrive and be satisfied and happy without feeling that sense of failure because they can't maintain that level of peak performance well so uh, i think the answer uh, is for you and I to pop down to the gym Ooh. in our minds. Okay. Um, and imagining ourselves uh, doing a few reps. I think that's what they say in a gym. I, I'm not really a gym bunny, so um, but it's a useful <laughs> metaphor. Hmm. It's a useful metaphor because uh, in my search for answers on this subject, uh, I found this thing called the growth equation. Oh, and is that this the sort of thing you get when you, you have a really good day? Sort of thing. It, I know it's your birthday, and I I know I I can see your face, you monkey. I love a growth um, equation. So, <laughs> um, the, the, so the growth equation, and this is this is where it started, kind of getting quite interesting for me. Stress plus rest equals growth. So I uh, so I interpret that therefore to be a comfortable level of of stress is actually progressive and not aggressive. Well, so uh, the thing that's most important is that uh, growth comes at the point of resistance. Growth comes at the point of resistance. So let's let's stay in the gym. Okay. And let's imagine that you and I are doing some some weightlifting. Okay, and we've done that. It, Not weightlifting, if, but yeah, okay, we've been to the gym <laughs> together. Mm -hmm. If you if you want to, if you were to focus on a part of your um, body and and a specifically a muscle or muscle group, where would you locate that? And where would it be? What? Where in my body? If I was doing weights? Yeah. If you if you wanted to, you know, you want to go. Yeah, I want to. I want to really focus on this this muscle here mm -hmm. uh, where, where would that be on your body probably my shoulders and arms right shoulders up well, let, let's let's say that you want to really focus on your on your arms okay and really build those up and I'm, I'm not a bodybuilding expert as you can tell but you isolate that muscle group and you you focus on the right and appropriate exercise for that muscle group that's objective number one. Mm -hmm. um, so you know you're not you're not focusing on your legs. You're focusing on your arms. That's that's what you're going to do today. And so the second the second part is to stress it. So you stress it. You you work it out and you push and you challenge. Um, and you know so remember that growth comes at the point of resistance. So it's that oh it's that extra you know but careful careful and don't overdo it. But it it's it's just it's just pushing it just just to that manageable 
challenge level. And then the important thing is to recover from that. Step three, recover. Right. Almost like step away and and rest. And then go in for another cycle. I, I, you see, I interpreted your word stress to be, um, I guess, with a negative connotation. Um, whereas yes. I guess what you're inferring, if correct me if I'm wrong, is stress actually is your form of exercise. You nailed it. You 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 you've nailed it already. Oh bugger! Um, Sorry. Yeah, that's, that's the end of the podcast. Yeah. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, but it's true. Sorry, if we so, prep this, I would have gone really. Tell me more, JV. <laughs> okay. Okay. Right. 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 Okay. No. I'll look, anyway, through, throughout our lives, we are told, mm -hmm. we learn that stress is really bad. We, you know, stress is stress is a bad thing. And so there's a boatload of people going round. The guy, I can't deal with this stress. I don't want any stress. I'm, I'm gonna get out of here. I'm not gonna get involved with this. I don't want any. I don't want. I want a stress-free life. Because Mum said it was really bad. Yeah, no, no, I, I agree. And, and here's, here's an interesting observation for you. Um, I, I think uh, in a previous life, um, I spoke a lot about stress in the workplace and an optimum level of stress for performance. Because if you imagine yourself, and some of you might be listening to this podcast actually thinking, I've not got, you know, I'm listening to this podcast at work because I've got nothing to do. And actually that can be more disruptive and stressful for you not having any stress whatsoever than being overloaded with stress. What I mean is, is that if we are left unvalued, underutilized, that can cause anxiety, lack of self-confidence and other emotional um, uh, impacts. But then at the other end of the spectrum, to JB's point, if we're overutilizing that muscle, ultimately that muscle is going to end up being fatigued and probably end up giving us some serious injuries. There is a comfortable level of stress in the middle, which exercises the right parts of the, 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 the brain in this case, I guess, in a work sense, which can mean that you are continuously testing yourself and growing. And I think this comes back to things you and I've spoken about many times, which is around a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. If you don't Absolutely. exercise that brain, you're not going to grow. And growth doesn't necessarily mean getting physically more capable than you were previously consistently. It's refining and celebrating mentally your ability to perform at a certain level. But I think to JB's point here, there is, um, I think there is healthy stress. It's a bit like the good bacteria, if you will, but in a mental sense. Well, so you you um, you just mentioned the work of Carol Dweck, uh, who wrote um, Growth Mindset, which is a fantastic book. Uh, listeners, if you haven't heard of her or the book, uh, it's a it's a really really interesting dive into uh, how people can move from being in a fixed uh, mindset position into a more dynamic growth mindset. Uh, and it is, it is practice. It is, is deliberately uh, opening your mind to the possibility of possibilities. And that uh, someone in a, in a growth mindset would, would look at stress as another positive opportunity to, to grow. And, uh, you know, I, I quite like that term, the possibility of possibilities. 
Uh, and, you know, sometimes we're going into situations and we're thinking, oh, my God, it's another stress. I don't need it. But, you know, sometimes there may be an opportunity to think, actually, do you know what, even if I fail, I can do it productively. Hmm. Uh, and that, that could be a very interesting piece of learning for me. So just to, to, to kind of look at that growth equation again, um, stress plus rest and the rest bit we haven't really talked about yet, which is, the, for me, uh, as interesting as the stress part, yeah, uh, to be honest with you. Um, but um, so, you know, we're isolating a muscle or we're isolating something. Uh, we are deliberately stressing it to build it, to, to develop it. Um, growth comes at the point of resistance. Um, and then then we recover and it's the recovery part which is which is very very interesting so let's let's hold hold that and then look at the work of uh chick sent me high who i've mentioned before who's written a fantastic book about flow and i and i had a look at that and made a comparison between uh the isolating muscle group stressing and uh then recovering and Chick sent me high talks about it in terms of immersion in the subject matter in the task whatever that might be so an absolute focus on on what that that might be and then he uses this interesting word uh, which is incubation um, so uh, there's a kind of incubation stage um, and then you get to insight uh, and the insight I guess could be you know, part of that kind of recovery um, point, like, okay, I, I've, I've done, I've put my focus in, and I'm now in recovery. And I'm, I'm having a, I'm having a really big think about what just happened. Um, and what I what I need to do to prepare myself for the next uh, rotation, the next cycle. So I, I think when we start moving this towards uh, a more so we're leaving the gym now and you might be relieved to know mm. uh for now i've left my towel um, behind one second let me go back and get it okay it. and uh so then we start thinking about this term deliberate practice and deliberate practice uh i think is what's missing in a lot of organizations these days there isn't there isn't enough time uh, you know, to practice, we've got to get this right. We've got to make this happen now. Uh, we can't. We can't fail. Uh, failure is not an option. Is a is a term that I hear quoted so often. Mm. And uh, yeah, sure. In some organisations, I'm absolutely certain. You know, air traffic control. Uh, yeah, fair enough. But uh, I think when when we start reducing the opportunity. Uh, for people to deliberately practice and productively fail, uh, we are creating an environment that is closed to peak performance because peak performance and failure go hand in hand. And you, you'll hear people like Branson um, talking about, you know, how many times he failed uh, in order to achieve his success. Mm. Pain learning. Um, hmm? Pain learning. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. So uh, I thought it would be useful to uh, think about that whole process of, of, of focus and deep 
deep concentration uh, on on a task, um, and you know how we how we prepare ourselves for that. And there is some wisdom around this, which I think might be useful for, and I think useful for you and me, mm. let alone the listeners. And that is that an intensive piece of work, and it doesn't matter whether it's physical, mental, should not be done for more than two hours in one go. There should be a meaningful break Hmm. inserted. And the duration of that you would recommend would be? Well, so uh, there is no uh, fixed time for that break but what is suggested in various um, books and models is that just by doing something completely different and it could be going and making a cup of coffee right uh, it could be and some some people suggest this a a period of mindfulness so sitting and just focusing entirely on your breathing and nothing else. I'm not a mindfulness expert, but you know, some people get enormous value for that. And I and I do understand how that would work as a, as a really good break uh, from a very very focused piece of activity. So and, the, and it, dur- during that break, yeah, you, you mean total non cognitive engagement. As in, I shouldn't be taking a call whilst making that coffee, um, it, or I go and walk the dog. Because my temptation, I'm, I'm think, I'm trying to put myself in the in the listener's shoes here. Sure. And um, I, I think you raise a really interesting point, and I I often build in blocks in my calendar, which generally speaking, I then abuse as buffers. So if things are overrunning, I then know that there's a buffer coming up in an hour and a half, which fixes that 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 clash in the calendar if you will if i overrun and i've got back to backs but when i go and make the coffee and or walk the dog i have on on occasion either completely switched off because i need the fresh air i need that relaxation alternatively i use the opportunity to actually continue the dialogue whilst doing it <laughs> does that make sense and, and, totally. I, and I think totally. that, that there clearly is, I, I assume from what you're suggesting, there is a risk that this isn't true relaxation on that basis. Well, I think you're halfway there. And I think instinctively, you know that it's important for you to take that break with your dog and go walking. And there is research uh, to suggest that walking, particularly through... Um, you know, a, a, a nice rural environment, uh, which I think you, you get to. So somewhere where you can absolutely switch off and possibly just notice, uh, you know, what's going on around you with trees and so on. There, there is, there is a, a body of research that suggests that that is incredibly helpful uh, to switch off your task-based mind your linear mind uh if this is this what 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 is the response to that um and when you're doing a complete switch into to walking or doing something different and what you propose what you're saying there i think is is an ideal um solution so the the ultimate thing uh that that i am now practicing 
uh, is 90 minutes. Not everyone can do this, I know, so don't th start throwing things at the computer, everybody. <laughs> but 90 minutes of intense work, for me at the moment, that is working on my PowerPoint tables, spreadsheets, and um, planning for, for next week in New York and so on. Um, and I, I am I'm forcing myself to do 90 minutes and then I walk. And I, I'm lucky because I, I live by the sea, so I can actually just go and... Uh, walk along the coast and and do that for 10 15 minutes um, and then back into work and I I know that in that moment something's going on in my subconscious mm. and how that easy is, is it on that walk along the coast to disconnect from subconsciously realizing that your inbox is growing back at the office well that is that's that's the hardest thing so we 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 are we find it, and it's hard to do stress stuff anyway. Mm. It's hard to, to get to the gym. It's hard to really absolutely 100% focus. Um, and then it's even harder to rest. Rest is the hardest challenge. And this is, this is proven. People find it incredibly difficult to, to switch off. But that, that and is what we've got to work on. You and me, we've, we've got to we've got to work on actually turning our minds off in those rest moments, because what we've got to do is to to allow our brains to give way to our subconscious and let those that let that light up, because when that lights up and does its work, when we have switched off our, our task orientated brain, oh, my goodness, that's when we start innovating. That's when we start getting creative. Um, and, you know, sometimes when you, 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 you're in the bath, you're in the shower, or you, you, you're walking, or, and you can find there's suddenly that kind of eureka moment, <clears> something <throat> can just come into your mind. Do you know what? I've been thinking about this differently, or, or I, I've, I haven't quite got it right now. I can see it more clearly. Hmm. There, there is, I mean, I'm not a neuroscientist, but I know that there is um, a body of research about this subject because I've read it. And it tells us uh, that you have a... Uh, a subconscious mind that is working um, tirelessly behind the scenes. It's rumbling along. When we switch off our more task-orientated part of our brain, uh, the other part um, gets a look-in, um, and it does more work. So um, rest is a dynamic that uh, companies like Google are now focusing on in a big way i've, uh, I've seen actually well-being yeah. offices roles advertised um just to pick up on a couple of things you've said there jb because you know you you cover such fascinating insight and i obviously think in the mind of the listener occasionally because this i guess is a subject that we're all very aware of in a mental health space right now and i think more recently as you say with the world being as competitive and as demanding as it is and social media in the digital age having a major fast-paced impact on this world um I, I everything you've said resonates because um often it is when i have a long weekend or a week off when actually some things come to the front of mind that, to your point, have been subconsciously probably processing in the background, 
but a bit like your computer. If you're using some programs so heavily, the the the, the demand on your CPU, I think it is called, means that the, the 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 stuff going on in the background, the updates, the downloads, have been slowed down due to you processing so much upfront in the conscious mind so heavily. So I I I, I hear what you're saying there. And arguably, there is a case if there are people listening to this podcast as a leader um, and also recognizing burnout risks of your team, that unless you stop, you ain't going to allow yourself or your people to um, evolve their thinking and reflect. Um, we deliberately try and build in reflection time in our agendas of our conferences just next week in Budapest. We're running a conference and I believe built into the two and a half day agenda is five or six 15 minute reflection periods where they are expected to get out um, their journal, which we're giving them at the beginning, to fill that in based on their reflections, to chew through in their mind their thinking. Um, and actually, I agree with this whole point of a walk. Um, my team think I'm a bit bonkers because I offer, I guarantee them a one-to-one every week um, with my direct at least. But if they want more one-to-one time, I will only give them the consent to do so if I'm not required to be in front of a computer screen and me and the other person go for a walk and talk. And that means, because I'm virtual, don't forget, that we both go out for a walk and we we have our headphones on, our, our, our hands free, and we walk and we talk. And um, sometimes that in itself is a, is a mutual rest break because I think the environment, the rural piece that you mentioned, JB, allows you to... Um, to let the subject breathe rather than the interference in peak performance to your reference again if i've got a computer screen in front of me and i'm talking to you now it's very easy for me which i've even done during this recording to glance up at a new pop-up in my inbox um you know so i think the rest um piece and the contracting in your mind subconscious no contracting consciously in your head commitment to this as part of your agenda and your weekly your weekly patterns for me, I think rings true more so now than it ever has done before. That um, that point you make about burnout and, <clears throat> mm-hmm. uh, you know, I just, I, just, I wonder, uh, I mean, I've been, you know, looking at people go, when I've been going inside organisations recently and I, I've been thinking, you know, um, you, you look like you're burning out, mate. And, you know, and I've had people coming up to me and breaking down uh I, I guess i'm just i might be one of those kind of people that the way that happens and i don't, you know i'm, I'm actually really <laughs> pleased to i'm okay with that you know it's okay because mm. i i do think there's a lot of people in organizations who are burning out and it frightens the shit out of me and you know when i i'm glad you've used that word i'm glad you you talked about burnout because you know what 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 with, i think uh, this I, is I, about is is the antidote to that can I, can I interject briefly? I think you, sure. you, you, you've allowed this topic to uh, also allow us to reflect on this topic. And I wonder whether listeners are having these same revelations. Um, mm. You know, we've I've often been at conferences and or um, workshops that you and I run together where it's the first time someone's been able to step off that train and sit on the platform for 20 minutes and reflect on themselves. And often mm. you and I open these programs to say, you know, we've you, you're unplugging from the day job and this is about you. And I think some of the emotions come out because actually finally they're able to rest and reflect. 
Um, and I think um, in my team in the last year, we ran at peak performance without effective breaks. And I mean that in the sense of us being able to stop and reflect as a group of people, not necessarily as all having time off, because that's something that I should always push for. But actually in the work sense, how often do you have an offsite with your team? How often do you take them out of the everyday and put them into an alien environment, which allows us all to stop, take technology away and allow things to breathe? Because I think the emotions tend to come out for me and JB, and, and, and I echo everything he's just said there. Um, it is quite scary because actually, until things stop, the adrenaline doesn't drop and you don't get a chance to think about what's going on inside the head of yours. Um, and we're, you know, we're unfortunately recipients of that breathing space. I say unfortunately, I actually feel quite privileged that people feel comfortable enough often to come and talk to us. But we've mm. seen a lot of tears in the in the last yeah. year or so, especially. And that's not just our jokes. No. <laughs> I, 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 I really like, I like your terminology there and about allowing allowing things and allowing people to breathe um because uh, i mean i don't know I, I i think i think that there is a sort of macho-ness inside organizations that the moment you say mm. things like that you know actually would you let's take some time out to allow this to to breathe or let you know let's have a let's have a moment to breathe and, and assimilate this stuff you know you can see the odd eye rolling and they're, they're probably listeners are thinking oh, God, Bennett. Um, but actually, you know, we are caught up in this this highly competitive world, com competitive um, business against business, but also job against job. Uh, you know, we, we have fear and anxiety inside organisations that there are other people who could just come in and take our jobs so easily and so quickly with the amount of knowledge um, and information that's flying around these days and you know there is there is this huge competition mm. uh, there is also massive massive interference inside organizations and in our lives that you referred to Ant. and um there's a there's a piece of research that was conducted in america about uh, students, uh, it might have been at Harvard, I can't remember, so sorry listeners if I got it slightly wrong, but I, I know that there is a thing called phantom vibration syndrome and <laughs> you wonder what that is but yeah, sounds saucy <laughs> and, and you may you may have experienced Ant, this thing, and I know I have, and you know we often keep our phones in our pockets mm. oh, um, okay yeah, and sometimes the phone isn't in there and we think, oh, the phone's going, and we reach down into our pocket, it's not there. And yet the bloody phone um, is leaving that impact, is leaving that impression uh, in our pocket. And so we are so wired up uh, to our mobile phones uh, in, in particular. And, you know, when when we do our work together, you know, we 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 aim for a for a phone ban, um, and you know, even even if and again, some research has been done done on this. If the if a phone is left on a desk, even though it's switched off, the mind is still working. What's inside that phone, and what's in the inbox, um, and how many messages that that person is missing, and disturbingly even if it's not your phone. 
you see the shape of a phone on a desk and you're and you're still thinking phone and and it's an interference for you which has certainly made me really think about okay phone switched off but there's still a phone on the desk mm. and 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 mine too so i'm thinking no phones i mean we 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 need to to get them out of sight uh because they are they are limiting us to to doing this focus of one thing at a time to deliberately working on it um deep deep focus uh on the task in hand we 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 often talk about multi-skilling and multi-skilling is a myth controversially multi-skilling is a myth only one percent of the population can multi-skill the rest can't when you multi-skill or attempt to you are diluting your focus you're di massively diluting your effect so it is it is so important to be able to deliberately deliberately practice to deliberately focus on the task in hand to to become uh relentless about preserving your your opportunity to to work with the right stress level to put the stress into the right areas the positive stress the positive learning um, but also to be able to rest uh, because by resting we activate other parts of the brain that make us more innovative and more dynamic when we first um circled this as a topic i didn't expect the dissection and um topic to go in this direction if i'm honest um i am conscious of time because we're nearly at our hour mark <clears throat> already but i guess if you're listening to this as a leader of people um i suspect um we'll have to make sure we write up the editorial in the topic of this to accordingly um help them understand what they're going to listen to but i hope off the back of this there is some practical thinking about addressing your own well-being to support peak performance because i su suspect what is being effectively alluded to here and i believe of this as myself too is if you ironically if you build in let's say in a 40-hour week some time for you to stop and break and think and reflect you'll still achieve the same amount of doing nothing in terms of breaks during the course of that week too because in that downtime the time that you are left in balance working you are probably working at a higher level of peak performance so i guess there is almost a connection between uh, the rest and uh, peak performance because i think if you have the rest in you'll get the same achieved in the typical time you're already spending um, i think but that that for me um speaks volumes for me and also reflecting on my team um, because i think i said to jb off off air in a conversation recently, I said, I think one of the things I'm going to spend my year doing more often than not is actually making sure that my team are sustainable, as in not are they sustainable, do I need to get rid, as in are they operating in a way that's sustainable for their own well-being and the function's well-being, because I can't afford burnout in my team and therefore unless I get them to learn to say the word no or that can't be delivered in this time frame or 
they need time out to reflect and build things in their calendar to do these sorts of activities. They're not going to achieve peak performance. And therefore, I won't as a as a function head in the organization and therefore the organization suffers. So I think there is a fine balance here of of thinking that it's OK to burden your people even more so with stuff. Um, but unless you are time managing that effectively and building in the ability for people to rest their muscle that is being put under stress, you're going to struggle. That's that's my final reflection anyway, JV. What about you? I think that's absolutely fantastic. And uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm learning as well with the, with this stuff big time. And do you know what it's really got me thinking about uh, is coaching. Mm. Uh, you know, what's the point of coaching? And, you know, we, we know that it's, um, you know, it, it's, it's the art of facilitating the learning performance and development of, of another. And if, if coaching uh, actually, you know, was about helping people to achieve um, healthy, sustainable peak performance for them, for themselves and for organisations, how would that conversation happen? How how would we how would we create the opportunity for for people to be coached to create healthy, sustainable peak performance for them? And my goodness, what a difference that would make uh, to an organisation to have that culture embedded within it. So I'm massively excited by this whole area uh, for 2020. I wanted to raise this peak performance subject uh, because I think so much comes from it. We could do a whole podcast, I reckon, on rest. Mm. Uh, I really do, and and the, and the ways to rest, rest that um, you know that stressed muscle, uh, that brain muscle. How do you do that effectively so that when you go back into it, uh, it's ready to go again? Uh, and you know you're doing some very very focused deliberate practice uh, to to innovate your organisation into a very very different place an exciting place. Mm. Uh, that's what I'm going to do with mine, and so I I, I wanted to share this because I think it's it's quite interesting stuff, and it is at the forefront of neuroscience. A lot of the things that have come up in this uh, podcast, uh, which you know is is finding out all sorts of hugely interesting things about uh, learning, stress, rest, uh, and so on. And so uh, uh, th this is a podcast, you know, it's not a it's not a research paper. But behind all of this is some very interesting um, stuff. And in the books that I that I have talked about, uh, there's some there's some really, really interesting uh, things to to think about. Yeah. There you go. So um, a few things then. Let, well, before we move on to questions, a couple of things. Uh, firstly, um, if you like this podcast, I know they say this every time, please do leave us a review on the various podcast platforms. The number of comments and emails, and even we've got a question and a survey that I want to talk about in a second that's running at the minute. Um, we get really, really positive feedback when we go out there and proactively nudge people with the questions. But in order for this this podcast to remain sustainable... We need better visibility on the podcast platforms. We have very good download numbers, but the more five-star ratings we have, the more people then see it, 
because um, the the stores recognize that it is therefore popular and therefore promote it. So please, please do leave us a five-star review and comments if you can. In addition, if you think there's things we can improve, please email us. Now, I then lead on to my next point. In the last episode, I did promise if I failed on this, I would do the next show naked. <gasps> if I didn't set up an email address for people to send their questions to. You'll be pleased to hear, JB. Oh, thank God. I'm about to get my kit off. Oh, God. No. What, what do you mean, oh, God? Um, no, we have an email address. Globalleadershippodcast at gmail.com is where you can ping those questions um, in the future. So Global Leadership Podcast. Hello, Christabel. I never get cups of tea brought to me by my thank other Thank you, half. darling. We can't see him, unfortunately. He's frozen, oh, but it is his birthday, yes. Oh, happy birthday, Ant. Happy birthday. Thanks, Christabel. I'm not live, am I? Yes. You are live. He can yes. see you. Oh, I can't hear have him. Have you not put your face on? I have. Well, I have, actually. I've put mine on. She looks beautiful. Oh. What are you I can't about? hear him, though. Yeah. Anyway, thanks, there Christabel. Why doesn't Ant talk? I am. We're talking. done. We're live. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> happy birthday. Thank have you for you my... Sung? Thanks, Christabel. Have I what? Have you sung to Ant? Yes, I have sung, but not on air. Oh. Well, I, I actually, the, the, I think I can edit it in if you want. I think, no, it, I think there was another. Oh, no, I deleted it. Sorry. Um, anyway, um, so <laughs> there we go. Um, so, yeah, please, please do. And also send us your questions. Global Leadership Podcast at gmail.com or through the social media channels, etc., etc., etc. So we do have three questions this week. Before we get into the questions, me and JB want to talk about a survey. Um, to feed in to some future episodes of our podcast, we are conducting a management survey. We'll probably do one of these, I guess, once or twice a year. And it should produce a ton of global insight, which therefore gives you and I as listeners to this podcast comparisons of styles, performance, retention, everything that you'd want to think about. We don't want to do massive surveys. We want to keep the questions short, sweet and simple. And we do currently have a survey running. If you would like to take the survey, please look for us on social media or go to globalleadershippodcast.co.uk and there is a link that will be there by the weekend because um, JB's now on a quick look and see if the website's up. We have the domain. I just need to get the web link up there. So by the time this podcast is live on Sunday, you should see a link on the website to that survey. We'd really appreciate it if you're a people manager. In addition, next week, we are going to launch a survey for non-managers to rate their managers. And that survey we'll leave to talk about in a future episode. But it'd be quite interesting for you as listeners to this podcast to understand the perception of managers by your direct reports. So we're going to ask those people questions and we're going to feed back that data anonymously, of course, um, to you to reflect upon. And some of it might be quite interesting. Um, on this survey, it looks at style, your conversation style, the predominant conversation style. And it also asks you about retention um, and the types of work that you do. And we're going to see what we can analyse off the back of that data, which is of interest. Is there anything you want to add on the survey thing, JB? No, I think you've explained it beautifully, and There is nothing left for me to say. Beautiful. So on to our listeners' questions from... <gasps> this um, is the exciting yeah, bit for me. BBC I... Berkshire. <laughs> um, <laughs> we have three... Is it three or two? Hold on. Have a look. Uh, we have three. Um, 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 okay. Do you want the? Do you want the koala question first, 
or would you like there's a big question and there's a little question and then there's a in fact there's two little questions you want the big one or the little one which big one big one okay are you sitting comfortably this is from a lady called helena in germany um here we go um hi ant and jb i'm enjoying the show from here in germany and my the show very celebrity <laughs> If we're definitely getting yeah. that BBC thing yeah. going. This this is about as close to a show as, as I get to probably um, I'm eating chocolate cake today, um, which is unlikely, by the way. I'm enjoying this, the show from here in Germany. And my question is, what do you do in a situation where you feel like you are experiencing a lack of leadership? Uh, hold on a second. There is a klaxon coming here. This is not a leader asking this question. This is a direct report asking a leader a question. Oh, dear. I work for a multinational, love my job, and have been lucky to work under and learn from some great managers with strong visions and communication skills. But I'm now in a situation where I feel like I have, um, I'm having to manage my manager, who doesn't seem to have a handle on the basics of management. The admin that goes with it is bad, and also the lack of leading a team, let alone their focus to really take our department forward and represent as well within the company. I was hoping my manager's leadership deficiency, sorry, my leadership, my, my manager's leadership deficiencies would be obvious to the powers that be and dealt with. But that doesn't seem to be the case. And suddenly this job I love is not looking very rosy. Is my best option to move on or what else can I do? Helena. Wow. You said it was big. Mm. <laughs> that is a that is a big one. That's the biggest so question we we've had. Yeah. So thank so you for the got, question for the for the person yeah, sent in. Fab, fabulous. Um, so we we've got we've got the reality there, uh, and you, you, the, this this manager of this person um, doesn't seem to be able to uh, lead, manage, coach, um, and do the things that a, that a normal manager would would need to do. Mm. Uh, have they got the potential uh, to do that? Are they aware? Do, do they have any awareness uh, of their their current situation of of self, uh, the impact on others around them, um, and obviously the the organisation? Uh, it, it it from from that uh, email it suggests not, and also scarily, uh, it's not noticed by uh, the manager of the manager or the managers of the manager. Um, so, so what are the options? The options are, as as you say, uh, to to leave that organisation and go to another one, where it is possible uh, for you to have that level of uh, support and probably challenge and recognition uh, that you need. Uh, it, that's not a bad option. I'm I'm going to be honest. Uh, if if you feel uh, that there is no way uh, you can move uh, this person. Uh, to to change their behaviour, um, uh, then then perhaps that is that is the the, the route. There is obviously uh, another option, um, and it is to go to that manager um, and very very clearly and carefully uh, describe your feelings on the matter. Uh, so I would I would pick two or three things uh, that are affecting your own performance and sense of uh, well-being perhaps and 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 challenge uh, that manager with with your feelings um, and to give them the opportunity 
uh, to change in your case. And I think you mentioned um, managing up. I, I could be wrong there. How do, managing the, my manager, I think. Was managing your manager. Uh, countless, on countless occasions, uh, I have experienced this situation uh, where, where people reporting this in and having conversations with them. Uh, it, it, it requires balls. Uh, it requires respect because the reason for this manager uh, being this way, we don't know. Maybe there's an insecurity. Maybe there's something behind it. Um, but maybe it's worth having a go. Maybe it's worth having a really good, honest conversation. Do not be scared of revealing your feelings. No one, no one knows your feelings better than you do. And if your feelings are challenged, then you can say they are your feelings. Mm -hmm. No one can do anything about that. So I would uh, personally, I would give that a go. I would do it very, very carefully. Have um, a team behind you of people that you trust, that you could help you to get this conversation together, practice it, get it really, really nicely worked through Focus it on feelings and the effects of those feelings. Talk it through uh, with other people. Uh, do not uh, pick more than two or three things to focus on in the first case. Don't just go with a bombardment of things. Um, challenge the behavior um, and talk about what you need. Uh, if that doesn't work, then maybe the other option, the nuclear option, is is another option. Alternatively, um, go to someone else inside the organisation and communicate what you have communicated to your manager. Um, but I, I, it sounds to me like you like the company. Uh, I wouldn't give it up too, too soon, um, but make sure that you are very, very clear mm. uh, about the challenge. Uh, if you do challenge this manager in the right way, make sure you you are very clear and you've got some notes to go with it because if you do need to go up higher uh you need a record of that that's my advice so um for the benefit of the listeners um this is a uh not she, she, this person she has not used her real name on purpose because she um hopes that this manager may actually listen to this podcast um it's a tricky one i agree with what jb said you clearly love this company and I wouldn't be surprised, therefore, if there was a reason you love this company is because the value you bring to that company is loved by the company, but perhaps it isn't treated in the right way by your line manager. Or maybe, to your point, there is a lack of competence around their management skills. They're not inspiring you with a vision. Um, it's a really complicated one because there's a couple of things in my mind that play out here. One is how vulnerable or insecure is the current manager that you are alluding to in their role? Um, as in, are they being protected by the company for one reason or another? Because too often, too often, um, and I've fed this back at very senior levels in the current organization I work in and other organizations I've worked with and in previously, that you cannot allow uh, someone's technical competence to outweigh if they manage people poorly. In other words, if they happen to have been historically an excellent, I don't know, salesperson, and they are now a manager of salespeople, but we remember that they always hit their target, but they behave like an absolute asshole. It isn't sustainable for that company. 
Mm. Um, and um, there needs to be, I mean, look, there. If, if you have already exhausted the options that JB has mentioned, then um, it's time to, um, I think, approach a peer manager of the manager that you trust and express your dissatisfaction. Um, and actually the fact you've tried, but be objective, as JB says, prepare your examples and your experiences and talk about your feelings and the impact and talk about the fact that it is a risk to you and on your ongoing willingness to stay in this company. Um, because actually, if the company love you, which makes you love them as much as they do, I would argue they would do something about it, whether that's move you under another manager, if that's feasible, I don't know, um, or they address the situation. But Anyone managing managers on this podcast listening right now, if you have a manager reporting to you that is an absolute piece of shit in terms of dealing with people, but you're tolerating that behavior based on the fact that they perform at a level that is right for you to hit your objectives, then you are a failed leader of leaders. Sorry, but that's the truth. And I do see this time and time again, because we as a, as me and JB, as people, as human beings, work with some very talented people in all the organisations that we work in. And it frustrates me no end knowing that we've given someone an opportunity to, as JB says, they, they stop, they breathe, they cry, they reflect, they rest, they go back more pumped up. And then within two or three days, they've been belittled by that line manager again, despite the fact that competently they're very good at their job but they're not being given the respect that they deserve. They're not being given the vision, the direction of travel. The reputation of their function is not as good as it should be because of the manager. But something the manager's doing is keeping them in post. What do they know that the business obviously also knows, but you don't? Sort it out. And if you are that manager that happens to be listening, take a look at yourself, please. Think about how you know, focus and value your people Think about whether you're having the right conversations. Think about whether you have a vision for your function, not the company's vision. What is your people's why? Why are they due to come into work each day and support you in your objectives so that you are keeping the company in which you represent happy? Because I can tell you, if you can't articulate that for your people, if there is no meaning to why they should come to work and support and rally you and be fiercely loyal to you, and instead they only love their company, then you're missing a trick. David. Just a, um, a, a little quote that I heard the other day, and I think it fits with people management, and that is that experience and expertise do not necessarily go hand in hand. Nice. Nice. Well, I hope we've answered that question effectively there for you, Helena. Um, and um, let us, uh, we often answer these questions and we don't always get feedback as to how they get. In fact, I don't know how I did one example of where where these um where these conversations have gone but hopefully our advice is good but yeah don't leave too hastily um question two uh Stephen from london this is their real name um hi Stephen from london what from your experience have you learned businesses need to do better uh is this for me for both of us i can go um, first you can give it up to you you go first and I mean, I can go if you want me to. No, no, no. Um, so I, I have, um, you know, face-to-face, one-to-ones with my peer group. And when I can face-to-face, we generally chew the fat. And I had a realisation this week. And so this question is quite timely. So I'm going to use this as an example. Um, I work as a global function lead, which um, through the organisational structure 
it logically sits under HR. Um, I think all HR managers need to uh, help the businesses understand the real true value of HR better. HR, to most of your employees in your organisations, believe HR are very much contract generators, offer letter people and dealing firefighting with disciplinaries and exits. And actually, it's probably only been in the last five years or so where I've realised how much of a strategic partner HR are. But unfortunately, many HR functions, and I've been to many roundtable events, they do not seem to carry sufficient influence and clout in the boardroom. And I think businesses often ignore the capability of HR functions. And I say HR, which includes recruitment, rewards, L&D, um, and, and, and the general HR group of people as well. But HR actually are far more strategic than they are given credit for. And businesses do not give them the airing that they deserve. And actually, they don't necessarily hire people in mind that can help transform their business. Arguably, in the today's modern world, with the speed of change in our digital transition, in our revolution that we're going through right now, you could argue with this digital revolution of business and AI and all these bits and pieces, HR for the next decade or two, as far as I can see it, are actually more than just what you would call human resources, because human resources suggests it is just a collateral. Actually, businesses need to recognise that HR are actually part of business transformation because they support hiring, they support firing, but they also support the development and the performance of all of those people. And that is not just about resource management. It is far more strategic. So my lesson in business is that actually functions need to earn their credibility better. Um, and if they haven't got a reputation for themselves, they need to be better at giving their reputation for influence at the top table. Excellent. Excellent. I'm glad you gave a shout out to HR for that. Um, we, we know some very good HR people. but We do. Um, and I don't want to well, use a derogatory term, but someone said to me, well, HR are just tits and teeth. And that, that, Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. And, and I have no tits and my teeth are pretty shit. So. Okay. <laughs> Uh, right. Okay. So um, my my thoughts on the matter, and for me, it's very simple, and it whittles down uh, to three or four things: communications, internal communications, uh, being focused about what you're communicating, uh, usually things around vision, purpose, and so on. Often, totally lacking. Not enough investment goes into good internal communications it's not that difficult and people don't do enough of it the other thing that i think is important is for senior leaders and managers to learn to facilitate to facilitate conversations to facilitate meetings uh, not just to direct them listening giving people a damn good listening to Managers and leaders do not do enough of this. Make it uh, a absolute rule uh, to spend time walking around and having a damn good listen to people. And finally, embedded 
with all those three points is a good understanding and promotion of values, not just the company values, but your own. Work on your stories, work on those people who are demonstrating uh, the values and promote promote those stories, promote, promote values inside organizations transparently, clearly, effectively. That's oh. my hobby horse for today. Nice. Final question then, as we are at an hour and 25, I think, ish now, um, is, got to scroll back up the thread because I just sent them to you on WhatsApp, didn't I? Um, this is someone from Anonymous USA. We'll give them, at least the Helena gave themselves a fake name. Uh, so we'll call this person Rita. Rita in the USA. How do you recover your reputation after seemingly, but not intentionally, betraying your team? I had to let three people go as part of a restructure after saying four weeks before we're all safe. Um, what what was their name we gave them? Rita. <laughs> okay, Rita. Yeah. Uh, Hi, Rita. Hope you're well. I, I love the fact that you're already just, you know, you're being honest about this situation with yourself. And uh, it is upsetting when these things happen. We're all human beings and it happens. Shit happens like this all the time. And it's not easy being a manager or a leader, is it? I mean, it really is difficult. And you, I'm absolutely certain that when you said what you said at the beginning, uh, it was with the best intention. You wanted you wanted that to be the case. And, you know, the best thing that you can do is just go and be honest about that. You know, I am a human being. I screwed up. Um, and you know it, it, it's really it's really sad um, that that happened. Uh, my intention uh, was whatever it was, and I'm sure that you can explain that better than anyone else can about why that happened. And you know the the fact is that the decision uh, was was bigger uh, than your promise, and that 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 happens. And you've got you've got to fez up, and you've got to be honest about that. Uh, it's not your fault uh, that that happened. Uh, it is something that you you have an opportunity now to earn greater respect uh, by just being very honest about what happened and and actually how you're feeling about it and and actually really listening to how other people are feeling about it too. Uh, you will move on from that. I've had this happen many times uh, with people telling me about it. And you just just by getting together and being honest is the best is the best policy. I promise you. Yep. Yeah. Not much to add there. Um, I, but I, I agree with JB. I think we've all been in these situations, um, which is even more frustrating because you are given some either guarantees from the top or you believe that your team's performance. And then all of a sudden this restructure happens. It can really knock your mm. your and and look the 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 the, the um uh putting your chest out and saying yeah i've had to make these decisions and being bullish um doesn't necessarily carry you favors um actually going do you know what um i got this wrong i was under the impression but things have changed and um I, so i think yeah the honesty and empathy to the people um and and so you know look as so long as those people were let go in the right way Hopefully they've left still with your respect, their respect of you intact, 
and I imagine those conversations hopefully <clears throat> would have been um, uh, you know very difficult conversations which they recognize was difficult for you I've been there it's not nice um, but as as JB says um, getting people together divide and conquer and then get them all together um, make them feel the love and by the way probably worth you double checking with the people upstairs um, that there isn't any more cuts so at least you can go back and say look I've gone in and asked now what is the situation here yeah um, and then and then quickly move the story onto the future rather than what's what's just happened but absolute honesty and and you know recognition of yeah there was a mistake um and we all do it we all do do it we're only human yep uh, thank we, god yeah yeah uh i think we are done on our questions Dave. oh no are we uh, yeah i think well they, they, yeah i think so uh, yeah Yes, we are. Yes, sorry. That was the three, wasn't it? Um, so, Rita, hopefully that was useful for you. Um, so, wrapping up then, JB, anything exciting planned for the next few days, with exception, of course, of packing your lovely little briefcase in readiness for New York? Ooh. Yeah, well, I yes, it's all about New York now. Um, I've booked in a few things. We're going to see Chicago uh, strange that we're seeing Chicago in New York, but anyway, it's a, a good a good show. Apparently, we're going to go and watch a Russian jazz band in Bleecker Street, uh, and that should be quite good fun. And we're going to some um, museum, uh, marine museum. Uh, I'm, I'm not quite. My wife's booked it. I'm not quite sure what that is. That should be quite interesting. Um, and uh, yeah, lots of walking. We're going to do 10,000 steps minimum a day, which shouldn't be difficult in New York, I think. Are you still going to be doing some planking? Um, I sh I've upped my, my game, actually, on um, planking. I now, I now do uh, 90 seconds. I thought you looked one minute, one minute and 30 seconds of plank. My goal, and I'm sure there's quite a few listeners who are laughing at this now, because um, they're probably doing about five every day, but I'm I'm getting to two uh, within the next uh, few months. I'm, I'm I'm getting close. I'm getting close. When I started doing this, it was hell. Mm. Um, so so uh, one minute thirty seconds. Uh, I'm feeling reasonably comfortable with, and I'm I'm ready to do the next stretch. And I've upped my press ups now uh, to twelve. And they're they're quite long ones. I don't I don't just go up and down, up and down. You know, they're they're good long ones where I have to do a lot of lot of focus on my breathing to mm -hmm. to complete the task. Um, but and again, I'm going to get that up to fifteen within the next couple of months as well. And I'm feeling the difference. I'm actually yeah, I can feel. I feel a slightly more um, stacked. Lovely. Lovely. Well, as I mentioned at the beginning, I'm off to Centre Parks tomorrow. Um, by the time this is out, I'll be heading back. Um, so that will be nice with the family. Then very early Monday morning, off I fly to Budapest for a conference for um, some of our bright sparks in the company. So looking forward to that. And of course, we'll be reminiscing of what's just left me, which is my 30s. Wow. Yeah. Good okay. luck for the next decade, Ant. It's been a pleasure working with you in the last one. Oh, I thought you were suggesting that was it. We're done. Oh, no, 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 no. I think we've got several decades ahead of us. Um, well, as long as I keep going, I think you've probably got me for another, well, at least another 10 years. Likewise. If you're anything like your Yorkshire Terrier, you'll outlive me. In fact, I'd like to say that you could you could have me in your life for another 20 years. 
of work mm. I'm talking about, not just, you know, beyond that, you know, I'll still be, still be doing my press up. Wow. Okay. Well, that excites me. Anyway, folks, thank you for listening. Um, please do continue to send in your questions, globalleadershippodcast.gmail.com or find us on social media. Also, please do leave us reviews on the various platforms and um, keep sending us the love. We do like the little shout outs, including Toad, Lewis, Michael, Sally, Helena, uh, Carly, Yasik, Vivian, Debbie, Ramesh, Karen, Gabby, Ehab, Shukri, Maria, Nisha, Javina, and Sophie. And then that is it. Lovely. I've been Anthony uh, Price. Um, oh, I've been. Did you, want oh. to, did you want to say something? Sorry that I interrupted you. No, no. I just wanted to say thank you for joining us somewhere between the frontiers of global leadership. Mm-hmm.